welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. I rarely do this anymore. It's been a very long time since I've done this. I have a ton of affiliates in the Southeast United States. So my apologies to those of you outside the Southeast uh, who are listening to me. But I got to tell you, uh, if you know where I-59 is, it runs from Chattanooga, Tennessee, all the way down uh, the, the through Alabama into Mississippi, down into South Louisiana. Uh, every single part of that till you get to Louisiana is under severe, severe thunderstorms. They're headed towards Georgia, Florida, uh, Tennessee, North Carolina. There are severe thunderstorm warnings from Knoxville, Tennessee, where we've got a new affiliate through Chattanooga all the way down I-59. You have active tornadoes south of Tuscaloosa uh, to the west of Montgomery. There are active tornado warnings right now uh, down to Mobile, where we're picking up a new affiliate there. We've got uh, severe thunderstorm warnings really, really bad in the southeast. It's headed towards Georgia. Governor Kemp's inauguration is today. His gala is tonight. Uh, It's going to get really bad in Georgia. Uh, So wherever you are, particularly Macon and North, uh, stick to your local radio station. Wherever you are, the radio station you're hearing my voice on will be able to keep you updated. Uh, Those of you, of course, on my flagship station, WSB, we have Christina, who's a genius, and she will be with you. But all of these radio stations... When your cable goes out, you can still get radio over the air. It's kind of important. Seriously, uh, these are going to be really powerful storms coming through. The temperature falling again as winter comes roaring back. But uh, active tornadoes around Tuscaloosa, Montgomery, north of Mobile, uh, looking at them on the radar map right now. So stay safe out there. Stay tuned to your radio station, uh, particularly if you're in the southeast with these storms rolling through. Now, we've got to talk about these news stories. Listen, you can distinguish... You can nuance, you can bifurcate, you can do all of the things to separate Donald Trump's classified documents at Mar-a-Lago for which there were nuclear codes and other things of highly classified nature with Joe Biden. You can absolutely do that. They are distinguishable and smart people can distinguish between the two. But here's something you can't distinguish. President Joe Biden and his administration have repeatedly lectured Americans on the sacred nature of classified documents, all of the hand-wringing on MSNBC, CNN, in the New York Times, the Washington Post, about how no one does this. Why would Donald Trump keep these things in Mar-a-Lago? Even though it was a a locked room, it was an unsecured room. You cannot do that. And now we know Joe Biden not only did it, at the University of Pennsylvania's uh, center in Washington, D.C., but in his garage, at his house as well. The president of the United States admitting he kept classified documents in his garage. This exchange happened just a short time ago with Peter Ducey of Fox News. Classified materials next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay? So it's not like you're sitting out in the street. But anyway, yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, But as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified materials seriously. 
I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. As part of that process, my lawyers reviewed other places where documents in my, uh, of, from my time as vice president were stored, and they finished the review last night. They discovered a small number of documents of classified markings and storage areas in file cabinets in my home and my, in my, my, my personal library. This was done in the case of the Biden Penn, this was done in the case of the Biden Penn Center. The Department of Justice was immediately, as was done, the Department of Justice was immediately uh, uh, notified and uh, the lawyers arranged for the Department of Justice to take possession of the document. So you're going to see, we're going to see all this unfold. I'm confident. Okay. Okay. Pause. The president's lawyers prepared a statement for him to read, and he could not help, could not help, but get into a peeing competition with Peter Ducey where he says, they're in my garage next to my Corvette. My Corvette's in a locked garage. Peter Ducey responds, so they're sitting in a locked garage? Yeah, with my Corvette. That's what he says. Ladies and gentlemen, today, January 12th, 2023, is the day the case against Donald Trump died. The case against Donald Trump, it's gone. We might as well remember it, play some great funeral anthem, Remember the end of the case against Donald Trump and his classified documents, because if you're going to prosecute Trump for having classified documents in Mar-a-Lago, you're going to have to do the same against Joe Biden, who kept him with his Corvette in his garage. Absolutely remarkable that we're here. Thus we come to bury the case against Donald John Trump, President of the United States, and the handling of classified documents at the estate of the former rich people of the Washington Post, now Mar-a-Lago the resort. We come not to bury Donald Trump and his documents, but to laugh at the Democrats' hypocrisy. For they have made a capital case over the handling of classified documents. They themselves have come to bury the case when it turns out Grandpa Dementia himself forgot he was keeping classified documents by his Corvette. 
Friends, I take the warranty to my dishwasher more seriously than President Biden took the classified documents. I put my warranty for my dishwasher in a locked filing cabinet labeled in a file to tell me where it is. He leaves his classified documents with state secrets next to his Corvette. Yeah, okay, um, it is absolutely a thousand percent true, Libs, that Donald Trump had seriously highly classified intelligence documents, the dealings with North Korean dictators, nuclear codes, and all of that, but, 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 doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, because you yourself says it didn't matter, it was classified documents. Only after you find out Joe Biden has them in his Corvette in his locked garage are you like, what? It's the nature of the class. No, 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 no. You said, and he said, he and his attorney general said, it wasn't so much the specificity of the documents, but their classified nature of the whole, just like now. Poor Corrine Jean-Pierre. She's just struggling with what to say at the White House briefing. These documents were discovered on November 2nd. This wasn't. This didn't come public until my colleagues at CBS News uh, found, uh, reported this on Monday. Uh, that's more than two months later. Why was the public not informed while the White House pre- pre- prepared a PR response for two months? Again, this was under review. Uh, this is under review by the Department of Justice. I'm not going to go beyond what the president shared yesterday. I'm not going to go beyond uh, what the, my colleagues at the White House Council shared with all of you as well. Um, seriously, uh, you know, maybe Biden was rebuilding the transmission for his car and every once in a while needed to stop and read the super classified documents on how to get it done. I, I, I had, had them all together. You know, the bigger issue here, though, This is the big issue that you can't get away from. They covered it up until after the election was over because you and I know darn well it would have had an electoral impact. It would have mitigated the Trump story had it happened before the election. They covered it up. They kept it quiet. But now essentially what they're telling us is that after the after it came to light, they had to conduct a big review and only just now are starting to realize, oh, he had way more classified documents. And that, by the way, just like Trump. There's no nuancing and distinguishing here. You can distinguish the nature and the volume. But part of the issue was that Donald Trump certified he had sent all the documents to the National Archives and he hadn't. Now, part of the distinguishing for the left is, well, he knew it, and that does appear to be true, according to Trump's own lawyers, but it doesn't matter because Joe Biden himself said they had a few, they handed them all over, that was it, and now turns out he kept some in his garage at his house. By the way, there are a whole lot of pictures of Joe Biden pulling his Corvette out of the garage. There's a big pile of boxes in that garage. Are, are those... Is that where his his KitchenAid warranty is for his mixer and the the state secrets on negotiations with China? What are the nature of the classified documents? Notice, by the way, notice, too, there was all sorts of leaking from the FBI about the nature of the documents that Donald Trump had. There has not been a whole lot of leaking about the nature of Joe Biden's classified documents, there is a hypocritical double standard you have to confront here.
the case against Donald Trump died today when it turned out Joe Biden admitted in public because he decided to go off script and ignore his lawyer's advice. He admitted on live television that he kept his classified documents in his garage. Classified material next to your Corvette? What were you thinking? Let me, uh, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay, so it's not like you're sitting out in the street. You can see him try to convince himself, I must read the lawyer statement. I'm, And then he's got to pop his head up and challenge Peter Ducey. At any rate, yes, as well as my Corvette. And then he goes to the statement and he just gives this muddied reading of the statement. Y'all, I'm sorry, but we can nuance and distinguish and, and we can be as, as fair and intellectually honest as possible in the differences between Trump and Joe Biden on this particular issue. But it stops at Joe Biden kept classified documents in his garage and lectured all of us that the reason what Trump did was so bad is because he kept classified documents in an unsecured location at Mar-a-Lago. Exactly what he did. Game over for the case against Donald Trump. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The employee retention credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee, and now more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible, and there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. There's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or even reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses, so don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free five-minute questionnaire at Refunds with an S, refundspro.com. That's refunds with an S, pro.com. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. Yes, I, I look, I, I got the text messages. Y'all, y'all can, y'all can, I've got my text messages set up. So during the actual show, I'm talking, I can't see people's text messages. So then I hop over. I got like five friends. All of them think that um, they're eating. It reminds me. So I, I had a friend named Shane when I was in college, and we went through a drive through one time, and he handed me my cup, and I looked at him. I said, Danka, Shane. And he looked at me and said, I bet you think you're the only smart mother bleep, 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 bleep who's ever come up with that. <laughs> I bet all five of you think you're each uniquely an individual genius for telling me I should have told Jim this had to be our bumper music when we came back. If I can get it played. Maybe, maybe I can't. Yep, welcome back. It's the Eric Erickson Show, 877-973-7425. Little Red Corvette by Prince. We won't play the whole song because then I'll get in trouble with the radio gods for when I try to put up the podcast later. They say, you're you're playing music you can't play. 
Uh, the last song I could. This one you can't. Uh, we could on radio, but the podcast, it messes all up. But yes, Little Red Corvette, the number of people who have texted me is that that should be your bumper music. If it was my wife's show, it would be because she loves Prince. I kid you not, my child, my 14-year-old, my beloved son, the last of the Ericsons, if he doesn't have a son, nearly died a few weeks ago because he came downstairs and, and my wife was playing some movie and it had Prince in it. I forget what movie it was, but it was one of the movies with him. And he was singing and the boy says, is that Elvis? <laughs> I I didn't know it happened. All I heard was screaming, like mortal screaming. I, I'm outside with cigar and bourbon and run inside. It's like my son is being dropped into the food processor while it's on or something. No, he's running from his mother. She, the, the, My wife has the, this, this occasional incredible Hulk temper where she goes from being this perfectly genteel southern woman to this big green monster chasing my kid, wanting to rip him in half for daring to think that Prince was Elvis. <laughs> We got to get him better educated on music. I digress. All right. All right. We got to move on to other things. Um, Speaking of my wife. So the last time I put on a tux was 2013. I was invited to debate at the Oxford Union in Oxford uh, in Great Britain. I actually won the debate. Uh, it's not me saying I won the debate. It's actually people had to walk through doors, uh, the, the, the yays and the nays, and, and I was on the no side, and I, I won the debate. Uh, my wife went with me. It's the last time I put on a tux. Tonight I have to be the MC for the gala for the governor of Georgia, assuming it goes forward. The weather is getting pretty bad out. Uh, a lot of schools are starting to cancel in the afternoons. Um, I assume it's going to go forward, but... My wife was going to be with me. She picked out a ball gown. She has been going through. She's been doing diet and exercise now for over years. She's lost like 70 pounds, put on all sorts of muscle. She's just gorgeous. And she found a ball gown, fit her perfectly. She was super nervous. It's fantastic on her. And she's too sick to go. Uh, cancer sucks. She's she's fine, but she's not. She's Her blood work came back really bad. And she can, I can just barely function. She is going to bed, uh, has no energy, and it's just part of what she's going through. We were really excited to be able to go just if we haven't had a date like this since 2013, and it's not going to happen. I will be there. Uh, she will not. Uh, disappointed. She really wanted to meet the governor and his wife in person. She's never actually met him in person uh, with me. So anyway, I'll be there. I'm disappointed. So is she. But we'll be back. Hello, it is Eric Erickson here. Welcome back. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you wish to be on this year program, the phone numbers are open. So I have to do a video broadcast. I, I got to record this one on video, so I've got my headphones off. So I'm not taking phone calls right now because I can't hear you. Because I don't want these big cans on my head when I'm also recording a terribly produced video. Because it's going to be on like my, my, my camera for my laptop. But this is important. I must do this because I got to push it out to the whole world. <sighs> the obsession of the wokes with diversity, inclusion, and equity 
Notice I reversed it from diversity, equity, inclusion to diversity, inclusion, and equity so that the acronym can be DIE because we're all going to die when you put all this nonsense together. They're going to just going to ruin everything. Y'all, the president of the United States has released a declaration of North America, DNA. I have just seen this, and I want to read it to you, and I'm not going to reverse the order of anything. Today, President Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador, President Joseph R. Biden, and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau met in Mexico City for the 10th North American Leaders Summit, NALS. The leaders are determined to fortify our region's security, prosperity, sustainability, and inclusiveness through commitments across six pillars. Six pillars. Number one, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Number two, climate change and the environment. Number three, competitiveness. Number four, migration and development. Number five, health. And number six, regional security. North America shares a unique history and culture that emphasizes innovation, equitable development, and mutually beneficial trade to create inclusive economic opportunities for the benefit of our people. We are not just neighbors and partners. Our people share bonds of family and friendship and value above all else, freedom, justice, human rights, equality, and democracy. This is the North American DNA. First headline, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they talk about indigenous peoples and women's and girls' rights. And then they talk about climate change. They eventually get around to the border. AMLO, the Mexican president, says they barely talked about it. Uh, Bloomberg has a report out that actually, contrary to what Joe Biden was telling the American people, uh, border security was not really on the agenda when they met. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is number one. Yesterday, the North American NOTAM system collapsed. That is, notice to airmen. It is the system by which uh, airplanes are notified of problems ahead of them. If, for example, there are parachutists parachuting in an area as a plane is coming in for landing, they're notified of the area where the parachutists are. If there's severe turbulence, you know, uh, when a pilot comes on, you're flying and he says, we've got reports of severe turbulence ahead of us. It's the NOTAM system that's letting them know there's been bad turbulence ahead of them. There are so many little notes on it, though. Most pilots say it's almost useless. It's hard to find the legitimate news on the NOTAM system. In 2021, they were expected to upgrade the system to prevent crashes like what happened yesterday. The only change they made was to make it gender neutral, and I'm not making that up. They changed it from notice to airmen to notice to air missions because they were more concerned about the gender neutrality than they were actually fixing the system. And by the way, the Canadian system crashed yesterday as well, and they were real quick to say it wasn't a hack. How do they know? They're still looking. They don't know what caused it, the American and the Canadian system. But you know what the big difference is, by the way? The Canadians didn't ground every airplane in Canada. They still allowed them to fly. Only the FAA decided to ground everyone. 
But it's larger than that. The, this idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion. The FDA and the CDC have prioritized diversity, equity, and inclusion when it comes to vaccine distribution. They've prioritized it when it comes to health care. Uh, they, they, they've made diversity, equity, and inclusion a really big deal. And by the way, the problem isn't diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's that they're failing at their core competencies. So they're focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion as a shield against anyone criticizing them for failing at their basic mission. The president of the United States has a border crisis on his hand south of the border, has a real border crisis on his hand. Thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants coming across the border from Mexico. And the New York Times and their Slack channels were learning. The reporters are horrified to learn most Americans use the phrase illegal immigrants instead of just saying migrants. True story. They did that. The internal conversations of New York Times reporters and their Slack channel were revealed. And they were horrified to learn in a survey that most Americans, including most Hispanic Americans, still say illegal immigrant. They refuse to do it because they are better than us. He's got a real crisis at the border. He went to the border and they made sure to take him to a migrant facility where there were no migrants, no illegal aliens, no one for him to see, no one for him to see the extent of the crisis. His White House wanted to highlight he goes to the border to see the problem and they ensure that he goes to a place where all of the illegal immigrants have been taken out of it so he can't see the extent of the problem at El Paso, where, by the way, the bulk of the illegal immigrant passing isn't happening there. It's happening in McAllen and he didn't want to go there to see the problem. He wanted to see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. And so then he goes to Mexico, says they're going to deal with the border. And what do they do in their statement? They reveal it's all about diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's their number one priority. Mexico, the United States, and Canada, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Not even climate change trumped DEI. Commerce, business, the border, national security, none of it got higher on the list than diversity, equity, inclusion. Their number one topic of conversation, the number one thing. And I'm, by the way, I'm not exaggerating. This is on the White House website, whitehouse.gov. You can go look for the DNA statement, Declaration of North America, DNA statement from January 10th, and you'll see. They put DEI as the very first one. The FDA has prioritized diversity, equity, and inclusion over actually ensuring that drugs work, over dealing with public health standards. I mean, for God's sakes, the FDA is still the place that tells us, don't eat raw cookie dough, you'll get salmonella. Meanwhile, they're having trouble tracking salmonella down and, and E. coli and, and the like. They're, they're failing at their core function. So, hey, let's do DEI. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is increasingly becoming that thing that bureaucrats and others rush to embrace as a way to shield them from criticism of everything else. Well, we can't deal with all the baby formula shortage and, and the empty shelves in grocery stores. We have to deal with diversity, equity, and inclusion. If we solve the diversity, equity, and inclusion, we'll solve the problem of the baby formula. We have to deal with the men who can get pregnant before we can actually deal with the food for the babies that come from that pregnancy. We are not a serious people. Or I should say they 
are not a serious people. The CDC was willing to keep you from your grandparents and mask your children and rewrite studies to make it look like masking your children was effective, but they couldn't tell gay men to stop the spread of monkeypox, no orgies for two weeks. We'll stop the spread of COVID for two weeks by locking you down for five months and never letting you see your grandparents again or go to their funeral. But we can't tell gay men they can't have anal sex for several weeks to stop the spread of monkeypox. Nope, that's a bridge too far. Diversity, equity, and inclusion has to trump the data and the science. You know, ironically, one of the reasons they're walking back all the outrage over gas stoves is because it turns out a lot of poor people have gas stoves. They're cheaper, and they're actually safer than electric ranges. They're cheaper to operate. A lot of poor people have it. And they're like, oh, it'd be bad for diversity, equity, and inclusion if we got rid of the gas stoves. Never mind that the science was all wrong on it. To begin with, the study turned out to be bunk. We'll get into that later. But the study was garbage, and now they're walking it all back. Suddenly, as every progressive becomes an expert on why gas stoves are bad, a problem that wasn't a problem until last week. And sure enough, they're all like, oh, it's always been a problem. And I know. I know what the research is. But now, because of diversity, equity, and inclusion, they got to walk it all back. This is becoming religious dogma of the left. It is sacrosanct dogma. It's like when the Christians got together in the early part of the church, they made sure the order was always the Father, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. The left had to get together and make sure it's always diversity, equity, and then inclusion. And it's equity, not equality. It's the Trinity, people. It's the left-wing God of secular paganism. And their Trinity is diversity, equity, and inclusion. I mean, the Cajuns have the best Trinity outside of Christianity, the, the green pepper, the celery, and the onion, but that's neither here nor there. The, the left's Trinity is diversity, equity, and inclusion, and it's prioritized over everything as part of their religious dogma. The FAA couldn't fix the NOTAM system until they made it gender neutral. The FDA can't fix its problem with, with securing uh, medical paperwork and, and, and approving medicines until they work on diversity, equity, and inclusion. The CDC can't give proper health advice anymore to people to stop the spreads of global contaminants because of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And now here comes the president with a border crisis. Hundreds of thousands of people crossing the border, a humanitarian crisis, a human trafficking crisis, a drug running crisis, a criminal cartel crisis, a crime crisis, a commerce crisis, a crisis in every way, shape and form. And instead of dealing with it with the president of Mexico and the president or the the prime minister of Canada, what does he do? He prioritizes diversity equity, and inclusion. And he's proud of that fact. He's proud of prioritizing diversity, equity, and inclusion over national security and the border because they think it's a good thing because they are the new religious zealots. And it is religious zealotry that prioritizes the secular pagan religion that puts their trinity above all things else, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's also why you got to fight back. And one of the ways to fight back 
is to do business with a company like Patriot Mobile because Patriot Mobile shares your values and funds the causes you care about. And all you have to do is move your cell phone service to them and exchange you get guaranteed great service because they use the same cell towers everybody else uses. So you go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric today, move your cell phone business to them. They give you guaranteed great service. They give you great discounts. They're good people. They share your values and they take a portion of their profits and they fund the causes you care about. So go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric, or you can call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT is the phone number, 972-PATRIOT. Call Patriot Mobile, tell them I sent you, you get free activation. You get unbelievable discounts if you're a veteran, first responder, if you're a teacher, if you're an NRA member, if you got a lot of lines in your house because you got a lot of kids who need cell phones, they're at that age, well, Patriot Mobile might be able to help you. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. I recorded that last monologue as a video because we need everybody to see it. I'm going to send it out on Substacks. You can share it with your friends if you subscribe. Text DATA to 33777. Text DATA to 33777. I've got to play you this. This. Oh, some of you need to sit down. I hope you're sitting down. Because your blood pressure might go up when you hear this. This is Hillary Scholten. She's a Democrat from Michigan. Court of parental and maternal rights and in opposition to H.R. 26. I'm the first mother in history to represent West Michigan in Congress. This matter is deeply personal to me. I recently shared publicly about my own experience navigating a complex miscarriage and the loss of my daughter. As a pro-choice Christian who chose life, this issue is so personal to me. My faith informs my actions, but it doesn't dictate the policy of an entire nation. And further, when I read the scripture, I turn to passages and I'm guided by passages like Jeremiah 1 verses 5, which states, I knew you before I formed you and I placed you in your mother's womb. It doesn't say the government's womb or the speaker's womb. It says the mother's womb. I believe life is precious, but I reject the idea that if I embrace the sanctity of life, I also must be forced to invite the federal government in to regulate it. Oh, you know, I'm reminded of another verse, Isaiah 520. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Uh, this is this is not something a Christian would say. It's something that a a pagan worshiper of Moloch would say. Uh, my goodness gracious, that um, somehow you can be pro-abortion because God says He placed the the uh, stitched together the the child in the mother's womb, and so the mother can get rid of what God put there. This is just disturbing. Um, you know, so there is there's this thing in theology, exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis is essentially uh, what you get out of Scripture from what it says. Eisegesis is what you weave into Scripture your own biases, and and this is it. A uh, guy I know on Twitter, he's uh, with Reformed Theological, uh, or no, he's not with. Uh, it's not RTS. It's um, oh, what's him a diggy? Uh, RTS Reform. Um, I'm sorry. It's it's the campus ministry for the PCA um, says not my my practice area of research 
But I'm puzzled at the leap from I read this text saying God placed a child in a mother's womb rendering it sacred to therefore the government should not prevent me and my doctor from determining it should die. Um, yeah, I'm telling you, this is a religion. It's RUF, I'm thinking of. Thank you, Reform University Fellowship, that, that this guy is with who said that in reply to Hillary Shulton. This is this is a Democratic legislator. By the way, uh, the Democrats on the floor of the House argued against the Born Alive Infant Protection Act yesterday. They literally said that, um, that, um, if, if, if a child is born, Alive after an abortion, it would be cruel to take that child to the hospital. The problem with this bill is not that it makes anything, that it is not that it provides any new protections for infants. The problem with this bill is that it endangers some infants by stating that that infant must immediately be brought to the hospital. Yes. The child is born alive after an abortion. The law would say get the child to a hospital. And there was that would be cruel to the child to take the child to the hospital after we tried to kill it. And it's still alive. That that was their argument. And her argument is that because the Bible says I knew you before I formed you and placed you in your mother's womb, the government should not be allowed to save that child if the mother then decides to kill what God put in her womb. Just this is this is paganism. And and it, it weaves into the cult of diversity, equity, and inclusion. The diversity, equity, and inclusion is the trinity of the left. That they it has to be woven in the fabric of society. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's there. It is echoed throughout nature. It is mine. We are watching a religion take shape in real time, a and it's not a new religion. It is a very old religion, very old religion that existed in dark corners of the world until the light of true faith was spread into it. We're seeing it all come roaring back as we become a godless society. We're seeing it on display on the floor of Congress and in summits between the President of the United States and others.